welcome to another episode of If Cage Walls Could Talk. My name is Jody Whitaker, and I am the founder and executive director of the Chicago Alliance for Animals, the partnership to ban horse carriages worldwide, and the Center for Ethical Science. This show was created and brought to you by my all grassroots volunteer organizations working to liberate animals from suffering and pain. Today, I'm pleased to have my friend and former colleague, Michael Kabliska, on again. Mike is the vice president of the nonprofit organization Showing Animals Respect and Kindness, also known as SHARK. I worked with Mike at SHARK 20 years ago, and I'm thrilled that he is still working hard to expose so many human wrongs. So now I'm excited to introduce you to Mike. Welcome, my friend. Thank you. It's great to be back. Um, I'm so happy that you were able to uh, come on the show again because I know you do such great work, you and Shark. Uh, is, are always out there documenting horrible abuses of animals. So um, I'm re- I really appreciate your time, as always. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so are you staying warm? <laughs> yeah, just barely. Yeah. Boy, it's a, a cold one. Yeah. And with this weather, I think about all the animals who are outside, and um, and especially in some of the work that you do, uh, they're not protected from this, the elements or the weather at all, are they? No, they aren't. And I, I feel the same. Every time I walk into a warm house, I thank my blessings. Yep. And we, I think I'm not out there. We have this guilt. I know I do. Um, because I feel so lucky and I, I feel for these animals. Oh, I'm already crying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Every time you come on. Okay. So um, the professional bull riders are coming back to the now arena in Hoffman Estates on February 3rd and 4th. Uh, Chicago Alliance for Animals have uh, put out many actions regarding this um, horrible excuse for entertainment. Um, I haven't had a super active campaign uh, for a few different reasons uh, because I have multiple other campaigns I'm running, but I'd like to see this banned. So uh, why don't you tell us what exactly is wrong with bull riding? Well, we we have filmed a lot of bull riding over the years, uh, and it, it has gotten better, but, but there are so many problems with it. The, the, the number one issue is these bulls are, are domesticated animals, and they, they need them to look wild to when they're, you know, conquering them in the arena. Uh, so they'll, they have to work those animals up somehow. And, and one of the ways they do that is using electric prods. Uh, and, and if they're banned from using electric prods, we've seen them use other small knives and pins, things that they can jam into the bulls to, to try and make them look wild and, and make it look like, you know, it's a, a real accomplishment to ride one of these animals. Right. So these are domesticated animals inside a tiny chute. Uh, and the only reason the, they're coming out bucking wild is because uh, they're basically being tortured in this tiny confined space. Am I correct there? Yeah, that's, that's what we see. Um, with, with the bull riding, some of the, the PBR, has, they have gotten better. Uh, they aren't shocking as much as they used to in the past, um, but but it still goes on a bunch. And, and these animals, I mean, their life is going up and down the road and and getting uh, 
tortured to, to come out and buck. So, if, so it, it's not an easy life for them. Right. And so if they uh, if they put these bulls in a chute uh, to have these so-called cowboys uh, riding them, if they didn't pro- uh, poke them uh, with knives or pins or electric shocking volts uh, or rake their tails up and down the side of the fence, um, kick them... And I'll, I've seen so many things. If they just had the bull in the chute and they just opened the door without any um, sort for, form of abuse or torture, would that bull come bucking out? No, they're they're just going to stand there. Right. Uh, they they might slowly walk out of the chute just to get away from all the people there. But sure. They aren't going to come. They aren't going to burst out like like they want them to do. Um, right. And, and like what you see. And the other thing, which I don't know if we brought up yet, is the spurs on these cowboys' boots. They're yep. they're kicking the sides of these bulls with their with the spurs on their cowboy boots. So they're they are. basically like constantly getting uh, kick with kicked with these. Uh, very sharp uh, objects in their sides. It's just, it's torture. So uh, I wanted to mention uh, George Mason University has been hosting bull riding on campus for years at Eagle Bank Arena. Uh, For years, uh, there have been campaigns asking the university to stop and ban the use of animals in entertainment. In September of 2022, a bull broke his leg in a horrific incident and was later killed. Uh, And then George Mason University hosted bull riding again the next year. Uh, So uh, we're hoping we might have some good news that uh, they may not be returning. But that's just a perfect example of here's a... activity at a university where they're exploiting, harming, and then after the animals are harmed, they're usually killed for meat. Uh, and then uh, a, bull, a bull breaks his leg in the middle of the of the event, and he's just pulled off the arena floor, and then they go back to business as usual. Have you seen anything like that? Yeah, we, we see that all, all over the place. That that video from George Mason, thank goodness someone was there to film it. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's what's going to drive the change there. Yeah, we've we've seen those bulls, they, not, not with the PBR, but at other events where they get shocked so much and they come out and they're just, they're bucking blind, they call it, where they're, they're just trying to get away from it. And they buck so hard that they'll, they'll come down and break a, a leg. Uh, they they become unaware of the the walls and they'll they'll kind of buck into those and crash and and get tangled up in the their legs and into the the fencing and it's just a, a terrible situation. So and I, I, I do have great hope for that George Mason though. Um, the last I had heard that it's in a fairly good shape not to come back. But. Right, I know that uh, through. Uh a contact on social media. Uh, they have been working with a senator who um, sounds like he stated it that 
the from the president's office at GMU that they will not be returning. So if that is the case, thank you very much, George Mason University, for making that very humane and common sense positive change. Uh, there, there is absolutely no need for animal cruelty or torture or abuse in uh, at all. Period. But let alone a learning institution. So. Uh, yeah. Uh, real quickly, I want to give a couple contacts uh, for now the now arena, and I w- I'll probably repeat these at the end of the show because um, we need your help to get these uh, things banned. And the best way is to reach out to decision makers. So the Hoffman Estates mayor is Bill McLeod. His phone number is eight four seven seven eight one two six zero four. You could also call 847-781-2610. Um, his email is bill, B-I-L-L dot McLeod, M-C-L-E-O-D at hoffmanestates.org. And uh, then we're also asking people to contact the sponsor of the Now Arena uh, because their name, the Now, now Foods, is uh, or Now Health Group, I should say, is what now arena is named after. So do the sponsors of this arena really want to be associated with extreme animal abuse and suffering? Uh, I would think not. So you could also contact the CEO of now health group, Jim Emmy at 630-545-9098 extension 2250. Uh, his email is Jim J I M dot E as an egg, M as in Mary, M as in Mary, E as an egg, at nowfoods, with an S, dot com. Of course, when you contact officials, um, always be polite, always be friendly, um, and simply urge them to do the right thing and to cancel any events or activities that harm animals and replace those with non-animal activities that are more family-friendly. So uh, I know that the past year, Shark has been pretty focused on unlicensed rodeos in Chicagoland and cockfighting. Uh, what is the stat- yep. what is the status of of these unlicensed rodeos in Chicago in the Chicago area? Well, we we are making headway, but it's happening on a county by county basis uh, right now. We're, we're Will County is doing the best so far, I think. Uh, they brought a number of charges against the people that were uh, shocking these animals at the the rodeos, as well as uh, some horse beaters. Uh, and uh, Will County has, has been wonderful on, in that uh, regard. They are also working on getting a state law here in Illinois that will ban steer tailing. Great. So, yeah, we're... We're making headway there. The other counties are are making headway as well, but it's a little slower. Um, McHenry, we're we're really struggling to get a law up there. It's so blatant the the abuse we're seeing at rodeos up there, and they the rodeos aren't following the the rules that are in place that they have now. The the lax rules in place. So we're trying to get those. Uh, counties to to stiffen up their rules and enforce what's already on the books, and and that would end a lot of this cruelty. Uh, but we're we're fighting it on a county by county basis uh, and making a little bit of progress uh, here and there. We're we're hopeful that that this year is going to be different. 
there are, there are a few laws on the books to, to ban these at the county level, uh, as well as what we're working on statewide. So and we'll a- see, but uh, we're making slow progress. And what are some of these rules? I mean, again, what I was saying was, or what we've kind of said is without uh, these cruel uh, forms of torture, uh, the abuse that uh, the cowboys inflict on the animals, there really wouldn't be a rodeo. Uh, It's hard to have a rodeo without, uh, like you explained, making the animals kind of crazy from the pain. So what... What are these rules that are in place that they're not following? Sure. And, and these unlicensed rodeos, they're, they're really just one event. It's steer tailing. Um, and that's, that is what they do. So they'll, they'll let a steer out of a chute, and a horseback rider will ride up alongside the steer, grab his tail, and then the horse rider will veer off to the side while holding onto that tail, and they'll spin the steer around and he'll go down crashing to the ground but they they have a illinois law we have a a law against overworking and these rodeos they will run those steers over and over and over some of them will run 20 times in a day Uh, and that's and even after they've been injured so we, we already have these laws in place against overwork against cruel treatment but they just aren't being enforced Mm mm-hmm and in McHenry, in particular, they had specific rules in place, uh, you know, about how, how many animals they can use, uh, whether they, they need to have a vet on call, and, and they've been skirting these uh, rules all along. Um, and now that they're being forced to, to get a vet in place and to have the property security that, that the permit requires, uh, they're they're running much fewer rodeos, so wow, that's, we're, we're that's hopeful a good thing. that yeah, it is. Uh, unfortunately, they they tend to move to the next county, mm-hmm. so we're chasing around a little bit, uh, doing the county by county. But we're uh, making headway. Wow. So, uh, so are they a lot of times just not having any veterinarian on on, on the at the event? Yeah, unfortunately, the the law is very lax. All they need to have is a vet on call who is with a one-hour drive from the rodeo. Oh, so the veterinarian doesn't even have to be at the event? Nope. Nope. So if an animal breaks a leg or uh, breaks a back, then you could have a vet an hour away to drive to, what, then shoot the animal? Well... Unfortunately, we've never seen a vet show up to treat not any once. of these injured animals. Nope, not once. It's a, they, they have to give a name to get their permit, and that's what they've been doing, a vet name. And these vets, it, as it turns out, now that they're checking, these vets, the rodeo never contracted with them. They, they just picked a name out of the phone book and, wow. and said, hey, this, this is who we're going to give you. So they're they're struggling to get vets that will cooperate and, mm-hmm. and and oversee this. So we're making a little headway, but in in the past, if a, a steer broke a leg uh, or paralyzed, we've seen both of them. If the animal they'll, they'll move to the animal to a, a separate pen, if they're severely injured, like the leg is just flopping, 
and and that's where they'll stay for the entirety of the event. We we've seen them three, four, five, six hours. There was one poor guy. He was he had his back broken, um, and he had no use of his rear legs, and they just left him. and And we finally got the sheriff to show up, as well as animal control, and they 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 just made him shoot. The, there were two. One had a broken leg, one had a broken back, and and they, the rodeo operators just shot them out back of the rodeo. And that's that's the extent of the care these animals get. And this it's is a rodeo. Terrible people. situation. Yeah, this is rodeo, yep. and I, I, it's hard for me to even fathom sometimes that this is still allowed, uh, because there's nothing about rodeo humane. There's not one thing about it that's humane. The entire premise of this, if you want to call it sport, which is, is not what it is, but entertainment, sport, it's it's just pure animal torture, and there there's no way around that. Uh, so it's it's heartbreaking, and it's heartbreaking work. And I've told you before, I'll tell you again. I appreciate you so much, you and the organization, well, and Steve and. Uh, so what current lawsuits are Shark involved with regarding rodeos right now? Well, we've got the one in McHenry County where we're, we're asking the county to enforce their, their own rules uh, regarding these permits. And, and we have seen some improvement. They're trying to, you know, they're, ma- they're following up on those vets now. Uh, they're making sure they have the proper insurance, proper security there. But uh, at the end of the day, it's, it, it isn't helping the animals uh, a ton, but, but we're we're at least making them try, and and that's uh, changing behavior out there. And we also had a second one going uh, for the. It was the San Diego, California had a rodeo. It was last weekend. They were holding it at Petco Park, where the San Diego Padres play, uh, and it was. Uh, it was a lawsuit. Uh, you know, the, the stock contractor putting this on, we filmed them before, uh, electroshocking animals out in California. And so the lawsuit was to, to try and prevent this rodeo from happening. Uh, unfortunately, it did happen. Uh, and there, we've seen video uh, this morning of a horse that was injured. He, they, were, they were doing an indigenous relay race. Uh, Native Americans were on horseback passing a baton between them, and, and a rider fell off, and the horse just bolted, ran full speed into a fence, and went down. Oh my gosh! Um, yeah, they. To me, it looked like a broken back. They had, they had to load him up on a uh, cart and, and drag him out of the arena. The rodeo is claiming uh, the horse is fine, but. Uh, the sure horse is fine like from the video. The horse is fine, but they have to load him up and he can't walk on his own. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't we, and take, we've seen that a, a number of times before. It doesn't really take a brain surgeon to realize that if the animal is not walking on their own, then they are, they have a major issue wrong. <laughs> I mean, yep. Wow. Yep. Uh, so we'll see. We're we're trying to figure that out and and try and hopefully we can uh, go out and see the horse if if it if it's uh, true that it's still living. And it's important to note 
that these animals don't get painkillers. They don't get anesthesia. They don't get any relief from the suffering. No, they get nothing, especially at these unlicensed rodeos around Chicagoland. There, there is no medical treatment at all. They're, they're just, if they're lucky, they get isolated, and that's the best that happens. To them. And it's and, interesting to note that this, uh, this rodeo that that took place in San Diego was at Petco Park. So here you've got. Uh, an arena named after a pet supply store uh, that we're supposed to care about the animals and the pets, and yet they're hosting a, a abusive animal activity. Yep, it's terrible. We uh, and, and we did Petco was contacted before this, and not a peep out of them. Right. And I, I mean, maybe they don't have much pull. You know, it's just their name on the arena, but. It's unfortunate. I mean, Petco's tied to this injured horse now forever. So. Exactly, yeah. It's similar to the Now Arena. This uh, Now Arena, or the Now uh, Health Group, now I know that they also go by Now Foods, I believe, is supposed to be healthy food, vitamins, and yet, uh, you know, this progressive type of... Uh, food, healthy food, and yet they're tied in with animal, uh, animal abuse, animal suffering. Yep. So you would yep. think that if you, I mean, if, if I owned a company and my name was on it, my company's name was on it, I would not ever allow any, you know, obviously any abuse of animals or children or, or anything negative to be associated with my my company or my organization. And, and that's exactly what it is. When I think of the now arena, uh, I think of the now health group. So if you're listening, <laughs> uh, it's really important that we reach out to the, those, uh, who are involved, whose names and companies are associated with this, these horrible events. Yep. So yep. yeah, you could 100%. reach out, to, you could reach out to Petco right now and, Look them up online and find their Facebook, Twitter, phone number, email, and urge them to say no to rodeos and and, and any any uh, affiliation with having rodeos at any of their um, places where their name is attached to it. Yep, like uh, Petco it's Park. especially egregious. Yeah, Petco to to be sponsoring this. It's uh, yeah, it's terrible for. Terrible for the animals and terrible for Petco's reputation. To Definitely. have their name tied to this. Yeah, well, I hope you can get that, that rodeo banned in San Diego uh, going forward. So uh, I know that you also have often worked on campaigns to stop cockfighting. Uh, why don't you tell us what, what exactly is cockfighting for the, for people who may not know? Sure. We're, we're in the in the middle of the season right now, uh, cockfighting is a, it's a fight to the death between two roosters. They will tie knives onto the rooster's legs and they, they put these two birds into a cage arena and they, they let them fight. And, uh, one of them, one of them, maybe both will die. Uh, and, uh, 
and that's going on all over the United States. It's illegal in every state, but it's uh, it's happening everywhere. In places like Kentucky, these they built up these arenas that have been in place for years. They're stadium-style seating in there, uh, and with a, a large cage down in the center where the, the birds will fight. And they've been going on for years and years at some of these locations. And you just said it. It's illegal in every state, yet it happens. It's happening everywhere. Would you say it's happening in every state? I think it probably is. Uh, it's much bigger in some states, but I, I think it happens everywhere. And that that is a perfect... Uh, example of why animal there are so many laws on the books to protect the animals and I probably used this and and said this before but for example Chicago's horse carriage trade downtown there were multiple laws on the books to protect the, uh, the horses and actually Chicago's laws were were pretty good and pretty liberal compared to most cities uh but they weren't being enforced. And so that's uh, what, what myself and my volunteers did is we'd go down and document the violations, the fact that the horses were overworked every single time they were out, uh, the fact that they weren't provided water, they weren't provided food, they worked them when it was too hot, uh, when it, the temperature restriction was 90 and they'd have them out when it was 93, 94, 95 degrees. So just because there's a law in the book that doesn't mean uh, the officials of that town, city, state uh, enforce them. It's up to us, animal advocates, to make sure that the laws are are being enforced and are are being uh, are in place and being enforced. So uh, keep that in mind if you want to work on any sort of legislation. Uh, you have to follow up after. You can't just let it trust that. Um, the officials are going to enforce the laws on the books. Lincolnwood, we're dealing with that right now. Mike is in Lincolnwood. There are two laws on the books. Uh, Cook County prohibits the sale of rabbits from pet stores, and the village of Lincolnwood prohibits the sale, the keeping and sale of wild animals, yet they're completely ignoring the laws. Yep. that that I couldn't agree with you more on that. That's, that is 99% of what we do. Illinois, we have some decent humane laws here, but they are not being enforced at these rodeos. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's no one, uh, there's no one following up on those laws, and cockfighting. It, that that's the entirety of the the problem. We, we've got laws on the books, but they are not being enforced, especially in certain jurisdictions. They, the the laws are decent. If they were being applied, you know, that would knock out a lot of this, but. But boy, the the laws are only as strong as the enforcement. Exactly. And so when you find illegal cockfighting, because the law is, it's illegal, period. There's really no uh, wiggle room there. Uh, It's black and white. So when you find or, you know, witness cockfighting, when you present your footage, your documentation to the whichever officials in that uh, jurisdiction, what is their response? Well, there, there are two kinds of jurisdictions. One, cockfighting is a misdemeanor. One, cockfighting is a felony. I think there are seven states where it's still a misdemeanor. So, so that is where the, that's where they're 
congregating right now, Kentucky, Mississippi, Alabama. And unfortunately, these they're, they're just impoverished areas. Uh, these sh- local sheriffs, you know, they, they claim they, they don't have enough money to enforce these laws. And, and where it's really rampant, they're misdemeanors. So in, in Mississippi, it's essentially a parking ticket for, for viewing the, the cockfight. And the sheriffs will say, you know, we have other priorities. Mm-hmm. Um, drugs are, are a big concern, and, and they, they focus on that a lot. But, but we see those same excuses out in Oklahoma. It's a felony. And unfortunately, we get the same thing out there. The sheriffs just, they claim it's not their top priority. So we have to try and change that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of these places, uh, the law enforcement is compromised. Um, there, there was a case in Kentucky where the FBI got involved and the, the sheriff had been offered bribes by the cockfighters. And so, and that was just the one case where they were, you know, the FBI got involved. They were able to document that. But I think that goes on in a lot of counties where these local sheriffs just, just become compromised. And we've had much better luck with law enforcement at the state level and at the federal level. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of these, these local sheriffs are just tough to budge. And then unfortunately, these these just aren't viewed as, as crimes in some places. The, the guys doing this are the, the good old boys, and and the local sheriff is inclined to, to let them do what they want as long as it doesn't bleed over into the community. Wow. This is how they're looking at it, I think. They, yeah. they take a little bit of money and, and, uh, and let the guys do what they want. And so it's a felony in most states. It's a handful that where it's considered a misdemeanor. Correct. The actual cockfighting. But even in these misdemeanor states, if they were to make an effort, there's so much more that goes on. All the gambling, the drugs, uh, illegal weapons. It, it, it's an excuse. Right. Uh, and so, you when, know, a cop out for them. When there's. Uh, animal abuse or animal, uh, illegal animal abuse, like the cockfighting, there's typically other unsavory activities going on. Like you said, it's not just the, the animal abuse is, is bad enough, but then there's a lot of other illegal activities. And, uh, so it's, it's really what these officials and, uh, elected officials should be looking at is it's not just one bad apple. It's, uh, it's a lot of stuff going on that needs to, uh, if you want to end, uh, all kinds of bad things in your town, you've got to start, you got to at least take into consideration the animals, the animal issues. Do you know what I'm saying? Yep. There, there's so much, I mean, these are our little hubs for crime mm-hmm. is what it amounts to. Right. They, they, there, there's prostitution, and we've seen we've seen that firsthand. Uh, we videotaped it. There are the the drugs. In, in, in there is there's active drug trade at every one of these pits. In Kentucky, it's it's primarily run by the Mexican cartel. They supply the drugs to these these pits, and and in every every state, the there 
big drug trade at, at all of these events. Wow. Um, yeah. So what is Shark doing, or how? what's your strategy to, uh, to deal with the cockfighting? Sure. It, it varies a little bit depending on the, the state laws, but in Kentucky, for example, we'll, we will learn of a pit uh, either through informants or, or just our own investigations, and we'll go down, we'll fly our drones at, on the day of a fight, and we'll document people bringing birds in and out of this thing, document that, that it's going on, dead birds if we can find them. And then we'll go to law enforcement and ask them to act on this. Um, and sometimes they will, sometimes they won't. Uh, and if they won't, we will make the pit public uh, and try and put pressure on the sheriff. Uh, if there's a state law enforcement agency, we'll take it to them. And, and then if that doesn't work, we'll, we'll take it to the federal agencies. The FBI and the USDA are both uh, involved in, in busting these cockfighting arenas. So okay. that's, that's how we work on it. And, uh, and then we'll, we'll put it all up on YouTube, um, videotape of, of the actual pit. And if we go inside, we'll, we'll take videotape of a fight while it's going on. Mm-hmm. And we'll get all that up on YouTube and Facebook. And and if we, you know, the sheriff won't do their job, we, we'll try and embarrass them into doing their job. And and if they won't do it that way, we'll try and get other agencies involved to force them to do their job. And I'm guessing a lot of press releases uh, to let the public know or to try to get some media to let the public know that uh, officials aren't doing their jobs. Yep, exactly. And uh, some of these uh, areas are better than others for press. Yeah. But we uh, that that's another tool to to try and get these sheriffs to to do their damn job and file charges. Right. So tell us a little bit more about drones and how how those help you to expose all these uh, tragic uh, tragic events. Yeah, drones are are vital to everything we do now these pits down in whether it's kentucky or oklahoma mississippi these are very rural locations down in kentucky they they tend to hold them back up in hollers where you know anyone trying to drive up in there that isn't a local is going to get picked off pretty quick and and there's going to be a lot of questions but with the drone we can fly in and and film this uh, as long as we need to, and we can get very close up and, and wonderful shots of the activity. Wow. So it's critical in our, our cockfighting, and, and same with the, the rodeos. These unlicensed rodeos, we, we can't get inside and film uh, as good as we can from these drones. We can put the drones up over these uh, rodeos, and we can film it all day. If they move these injured animals out of the public view, we can continue watching them with the drones. Um, and so they're they're vital to the work we're doing there to, to film all of this cruelty. They sound amazing uh, and a great tool for animal advocacy. Yep. There's so much that, that we could never see uh, that these drones can go out and get. And the, the footage is so high quality that uh, it's yeah they're they're critical to everything we're doing now right, right so much footage that we just 
cannot get any other way. And and that is a really important note, uh, like what we did with the horse carriages. We documented. Now, we didn't have drones. <laughs> we had our little handy uh, camera on our cell phones. But uh, documenting uh, whether it's uh, severe animal cruelty or uh, violations of the law or what have you, do- if you can document that uh, either Again, whether it's the abuse or you can document that the laws on the books are not being enforced, that is going to help you as an animal advocate so much because obviously there are places that we can't get into like factory farms or animal experimentation labs. But if you are working on a campaign to expose animal suffering, if you can uh, expose it through your your camera, through your phone, uh, that really is critical to helping helping win your campaign. So uh, that's just a reminder to anyone listening who wants to help animals is keep that in mind, is uh, always remember how important that is if you can. Yep. Everything we do starts with getting that good videotape. Mm-hmm. And, and once you've got that videotape, you've got some leverage to to try and get laws changed or laws enforced and, so the, the video is key to everything we do. Right, right. We, we've used those drones at, at well, you, you know, out at Invigo with those uh, with the beagles out uh, out east. We were able to document the, the horrible conditions they were being held in. Uh, we, and we filmed other factory farms uh, that, that just go on for acres and acres with these, these feedlots out in California especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're able to film things that, that you just can't get from the, the road. Right. So, yeah. And uh, are uh, are there any perpetrators currently being charged for these criminal acts? Yeah, we've, uh, there, there are uh, not as many as we would like, but with the unlicensed rodeos, there, there are charges in uh, right now, Will County and McHenry County. So well, you know, there, there's, they, they are charging. It has to be pretty blatant. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there were two rodeos down in Will County that have been charged, and with cockfighting, uh, yeah, we, they are slowly, slowly we are. Uh, this uh, past weekend, there was a bus down in Kentucky. A number of people have been cited at another cockfight, uh, and the the feds have been very steadily uh, busting pits in Kentucky as well. Good. So there there are charges coming here and there. Uh, we got uh, a Delaware cockfight. Uh, some people have been charged there. Oklahoma, there are charges pending as well. So it's coming. It's uh, not as many as we would like, but, but we're getting a, a few here and there. Well, that's good. That's really important. Uh, and, and on... Well, obviously, with cockfighting, it's already illegal in most, uh, well, all states, but felonies. Uh, are there any other legislative initiatives to ban uh, rodeos in general or uh, or to make any of these states that have the cockfighting as a misdemeanor more, uh, more severe as a fel- felony? Yeah, I'm not super up on the laws 
or the pending laws, but I know in in Oklahoma they are trying to roll back that felony into a misdemeanor. Really? It, yes, and, and this the so, law that made it a felony was a a, a referendum. The people voted on that, and eighty percent of Oklahomans wanted it turned into a felony. So they they tried it last year; it failed. They're trying it again this year. So that is taking up some of our efforts on the the legal front. But I I know in Alabama and Mississippi, there are laws pending to make it a felony now. Oh, good. Yeah. So we're, we're making a a few headways there, but we've got to fight, uh, you know, trying to backslide as well. So trying Mm -hmm. to keep that from happening. So if you're in Oklahoma, uh, call your local uh, elected officials and your state, your state uh, representatives, senators, and let them know that you want, you you know, that uh, cockfighting should stay a felony. And the other states, would you say Mississippi and... Alabama. Alabama. And same thing, call your elected officials and let them know that you want cockfighting to be a felony. It should be a felony. It's animal torture. It (laughs) it should be a felony, period. Uh, And and roosters and uh, bulls and horses are feel pain just like our cats and dogs. So if if harming a cat or a dog is a felony, uh, then it should be the same with these other animals. Yep, absolutely. And and the the abuse that those fight animals go through. I mean, it's a it's a fight to the death. It's just a horrible thing to put them through. Right, and these these birds don't want to harm each other. It's a human sickness to make them want to to make to want to make them hurt them hurt each other. It's it's really sick. I mean, it's a it really that is something I think I, I wish the elected officials would take into account that in order to do this, you're strapping knives to the feet of animals. That's sick. That is a no. And if you're if you're okay with doing that or you get your jollies from doing that, then who's to say that these people aren't going to aren't beating their wives and their children at home? That's another unsavory activity that I think is tied in with a lot of animal abuse. Would you agree? Yep. Yep. We see that. We we see that all the time. One of the guys charged at the, the rodeo last summer. A week after that, he got charged with domestic violence. Right. So it, it it's all tied together. And and someone that that enjoys seeing animals fight to the death like that that's that's not a good thing. And we see so many children at these cockfights that are oh, watching this. Wow. And it's it's just a it's a bad recipe. Nothing good's going to come out from not, that. Not one good the way thing. Those no, and violence those, those is, kids are going to be those kids are going to be messed up from that. Yeah, they're going to be scarred. Uh, they're they're teaching them violence, and violence breeds violence. So whether it's on animals, uh, it's going to bleed over to humans. And it's been well documented that uh, children or young young people who uh, start off killing animals or torturing animals. Uh, sh- shooting animals with BBs and who knows what, 
often uh, elevate that uh, that bloodlust, if you will, and and move on to humans. So, so yeah, it, it's a horrible thing seeing. I, I mean, just seeing life treated so casually mm-hmm. for those kids to to grow up with with you know death and, and just animals are are here for for our amusement. It, it's not a good situation. Right. Judges really should take it so much more seriously and look at look at the big picture and uh, uh, just what happened recently with uh, the person, the monster, who I thought was my friend who ran the animal sanctuary, who ended up killing hundreds of animals. Uh, she got another slap on the wrist. And she's the kind of person, she's a psychopath. And uh, if she can do what she did and fool thousands of people into believing that she was taking care of these animals that she was taking from people and, and then let more than 700 uh, either die of neglect or die in fires on her property. Uh, and then she gets a slap on the wrist. It, it, she might move on to humans. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Yep. That, that casualness with life, it, it kind of bleeds over when, when you get so so free and loose with killing something, I, I don't think it's good. Yeah, then you've, you're missing something. You're missing some yeah. empathy, and that's the that's the pretty much definition of a psychopath. If you don't have that empathy and uh, sympathy for others, uh, so I know you've. There's plenty more that shark takes on other forms of animal abuse, such as uh, pigeon shooting, government deer kills. Uh, bullfighting, uh, anything going on that you can tell us about any of those uh, other? I know we talked last time a little bit about pigeon shooting. Uh, is that? I'm hoping it's completely done, gone. No, it isn't. There, oh. There's still one holdout in Philadelphia, uh, the Philadelphia Gun Club. They're still holding shoots. Um, and that's but, right in Philadelphia. Yes. Wow. Yep. Right on the shores of the Delaware River. Uh, there, it's a, a very wealthy members of a gun club there, um, and they they hold pigeon shoots. the The dead and dying birds fall into the river. Oh my gosh. Yep. It's a, a horrible situation, and we unfortunately haven't made progress with that club. We, we got a, a number of them shut down in Pennsylvania. That's really mm-hmm. the last place where they're left. But the Philly Gun Club is hanging on. So that, would you say, as far as you know, that's really the last one? Yeah, we, we I'm sure there are some others going on in Pennsylvania, but there's nothing organized like that. I mean, it used to be a very public, every week you could go and, and catch a, a pigeon shoot somewhere, but... If they are left, they, they've gone underground. Um, it's it's about the equivalent of dog fighting now. Okay. They, they have to hide everything they do, and they can't announce it. So. Right. So my Philly but, friends out there, uh, you got to be contacting your officials too, and let them know that uh, they've got to fight against this wealthy gun club and stick yep, up to and, them. And, and the the Philadelphia Humane Societies have turned a blind eye to this club for years. Oh my gosh. And, and, and the entire, you know, 
trying for years we tried to get pigeon shooting outlawed in Pennsylvania. The NRA is very strong there, um, and we we never got a ton of help from the humane societies out there. That's sad. So they all need uh, attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and how about deer calls? I those are still going on. I'm sure. They are. It got very quiet during the pandemic. Um, A lot of these calls got canceled, but I I think they're starting to to ramp them back up again. So I I imagine we're going to get hit with uh, some of those before too long. And we're also keeping an eye on the, the whale hunt that is possibly going to be approved out in Washington. Uh, the indigenous tribe there, the Maka tribe, uh, they're they're in the process of getting a permit to uh, kill whales again. Oh my gosh, we're going backwards. Yep, yep, they are. They they did it the last time. It was maybe twenty years ago. It was a pretty big event when that happened. And how many you know, do sea they? Sea shepherd and their their permits. Boy, I couldn't tell you. It's, but it, it is a, a number of them for over a number of years. Uh, so it's a, a bunch of whales that they're going to be allowed to kill. Wow. Like our seas yes. and oceans aren't bad enough that we're going to just allow uh, people to slaughter whales. Yeah, yeah. Well, folks, if you're listening, uh, this is, you know, this isn't the happiest topic and but this is what this show is about. This show is all about educating uh, the public on these issues because just because they're happening, if we keep our head in the sand, they're not going to go away. So I hope that you don't turn this off when you hear some of these stories. I mean, I've cried many times on the show today. I've held it together pretty well, but um, it, you know, the show is here to educate you on all these issues and, Again, they're not fun topics, but uh, they need to be known about. They need to be fought against, uh, which is why Mike and Shark are out there doing the work. And it's they're doing the hard work. They're the ones witnessing and documenting it, documenting the suffering. So the least we can do is learn about it and contact our, our elected officials and urge them to stop it and urge them to take swift and powerful uh, action against these abusers. So uh, I want to kind of end on a happier note. Uh, So Mike is also on the board of the Awesome Foundation, which I won a grant last night with, which was uh, really great news. (laughs) Yes, congratulations. Oh, thank you so much. You told me about this foundation uh, last time we chatted. Yep. Uh, The other trustees uh, were very impressed with the work you've done and and the the work you're doing, and they were happy to support uh, your efforts and and wish you the the best of luck going forward. Well, that it really is nice to, to, uh, Obviously, uh, the money is great. You know, $1,000 will help greatly. Uh, I don't uh, fundraise a lot, and I don't raise a lot because I'm not good at it. 
And I spend yeah. I spend the majority of my time doing the activism and not fundraising. So uh, it it definitely uh, is needed and uh, appreciated very much. And why don't you tell us a little bit more about the Awesome Foundation? Sure. Well, congratulations. Thank you. And, you know, j- just an aside, we, we have that same problem at Shark. I mean, we're investigators. We aren't fundraisers. Right. So it's it's tough when you're you're so geared to to doing that investigative side and yeah we we just aren't fundraisers so I understand that completely <laughs> the the awesome foundation we it, it's the, the awesome foundation is a it's a project where people can donate money to projects that they think are improving their community. There are all types of different foundations. Uh, a lot of them are local, like your, your city might have one. And they, if they see a project uh, they think is a good idea, they'll support that. And so ours is supporting vegan projects, uh, projects that help move uh, animal welfare forward. And uh, every, every other month we give out $1,000 to some project. And that we think is is doing work, good work and making a difference, and is effective, and they can use uh, our support. So that's uh, that's what we do. We we issue grants for that. That's really. And, uh, we're always. Go ahead. I was just going to say that's uh, it's it's such a great idea, and it's you know there there there's so many projects out there doing good work that are deserving of, of grants like this. And, uh, and it's important to note that a lot of the grassroots work, uh, you know, my organizations and so many others are the ones on the ground doing the, the work. And we're not sitting in offices, uh, taking in a six figure salary and putting out fancy commercials, uh, about animal suffering. Not to say those groups don't do some good work, but you know, if you're in the in the field of charity work, nobody really should be getting rich. The money should be going toward the charity, toward the mission. So, animals or or whatever the uh, charity works on. So it's uh, it's greatly appreciated, and I, I think it's a great uh, a mission of what what your foundation does. Yep. Well, thank you, and and I I feel the same. There's so many groups out there and not to say they don't do some good work, but relative to the amount to the amount of money that they take in, mm-hmm. I, I think donating to a grassroots group, you get so much more bang for your buck uh, compared to those big groups. So, and it's important and, and, to read between the lines when you get a newsletter or you get a, an email from an organization, you need to look at what campaigns they're running how they're yes. running their campaigns and and their active campaigns. You can't put out, ask people to put out one email, say, hey, contact this official with one email and be done. That's not a campaign. That's one action, which is good, but it's got to be part of a bigger campaign if you really want to see movement on that campaign. So yep. if you're getting emails uh, from big organizations, you need to find out, how is this campaign working? What's your plan? How long have you been working on it? If it's just a one-time 
hey, make this one call. That's not, <laughs> I, I can't stress this enough because I've worked in this field for so long and I've worked for organizations that never had ongoing campaigns. So we never got anything done. Yep, yep. No, we, I see that all the time. And, and when I see mailers from some groups, it's on the surface, they, they look good. They're very slick. Sure. They've got some very heart-touching photos. But, but when you go and read what they're really doing, there's, there's just not much there. Right. And that's exactly, you nailed it. You can put out a fancy newsletter, a glossy newsletter, sad pictures of animals, and seem to be right on top of it. But if there's no campaign wrapped up in that photo, uh, an ongoing campaign to either change the law, pass a law, uh, something along those lines, then it's not a very effective campaign. So, uh, yep, I mean, I, I could ramble on about that forever, but, uh, we're running low on time. So if you could tell people real quickly how they could help shark and the cruelty of rodeos, cockfighting, bullfighting, pigeon shoots, and so on, that would be great. Sure. We're, we're always uh, anxious for donations, um, there, and we also need help. If we're documenting a cockfight that's ongoing, we, we, you know, occasionally need people to call the local law enforcement and ask that they, they go out and do something about this pit. Uh, and we post most of that on our Facebook. Uh, it is uh, shark online org. All one word is what we are on Facebook. Shark online org. Uh, and we also have our uh, website, sharkonline.com. Uh, and there we post, uh, we, we try and keep up to date there as well. But most of the, where we need immediate help, we post that on Facebook. In YouTube, uh, we put all, you know, summaries of uh, all our campaigns. Our footage uh, after we've documented a, a cockfight arena gets put up on there. So I think uh, YouTube and Facebook is, is probably the best way to keep up with what we're doing. Well, I'll definitely be visiting uh, your Facebook page soon and taking action on any actions I see. So thanks again, thank Mike, you. for coming on. If Cage Wells could talk today, uh, I thank you and Shark and uh, Steve for all you do for horses, bovines, chickens, pigeons, deer, and so much more. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having me and thanks for all the work you do. So I'll end today with this quote by Mark Twain. Of all the creatures ever made, man is the most detestable. He is the only creature that inflicts pain for sport, knowing it to be pain. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll tune in next Saturday.